0: Welcome to the Fuzz Club Today we are talking about one of the all-time greats, Greenleaf And we're talking about their 2016 album, Rise Above the Meadow So before we jump in too much, let's go around and do some quick introductions Uh, We have a special guest today, Scott, you want to lead us off?
1: Sure, hi everybody, I'm Scott, I'm the uh, lead writer and creator over at Clean and Sober Stoner Good to have you, man yeah. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Chris,
2: I uh, do guitars and stay dead, um, and that's about it.
3: Pat, uh, I'm Pat from Monster Riff. I'm Ryan from High Desert Queen. Now stay dead as well, <laughs> and I also um, run Lick of My Spoon Productions.
4: And I'm Blake from Iwas.
0: All right. Well, let's get into Greenleaf. I'm not sure where to start with this one. Greenleaf has been around for quite some time, and they have quite a good reputation. Um, this album, uh, I don't how did we decide on this album? We just kind of voted on it. They have plenty of good albums to choose from. a more recent one. They have plenty of older ones. This one's kind of in the middle. Um, I think this Pat, a- I think that you really, really enjoyed this yeah. one. What, do you, what makes this album the, the album of choice for Greenleaf? This
5: is this is the album for me where they really solidify their sound and who they are. So in their first few records, I don't think they have a bad record, but Revolution Rock is sort of like that classic, sort of fuzzy, just rock and roll fun. Secret, Secret Alphabets is like um, a little bit gloomier. It's a little bit more Black Sabbath influenced. Agents of Ahriman is just like a really cool stoner rock record it's got a lot of that classic rock influence and then nest of vipers is really explosive some really interesting alternative guitars and then trails and passes i think is where we start to get modern um greenleaf and i think like that from there they could have gone anywhere um but they really started to hone in on that sound and they stripped out some of the psychedelic stuff that was in there and really started to get more and more focused and so i think Rise Above the Meadow for me is like the beginning of their golden period um, where it's really just shorter, more traditionally structured in length uh, rock songs. Um, there's some really great jams and Tommy Halapa is the best guitarist in the world, or at least in the very best in this scene. Uh, there's no shortage of great riffs and solos. Um, I always kind of pause when I'm listening to Pilgrims, the end of Pilgrims, because that like that minute and a half solo always kind of like breaks my heart a little bit. Uh, so this is just a phenomenal record.
3: And, it and seems and like.
5: Been...
3: Go ahead, yeah, go ahead, Ryan. I was going was to you... say, jumping on what you said about Tommy. Like when you hear a riff by him, you know it's him. Yeah, and that's yeah. Uh, that's what's really really unique. I, I was interested in to see why we why this record was chosen too, but uh, I know it was like their first, like major. They got this is like Napalm Records. This one was yeah. like their first major record label. Yeah, uh, and Pat, I think you're right in the sense that this was probably the, I think the album previous um, memory serves me rise. Is it rise and trails and
0: passes, trails and passes. That's right. We're doing rise
3: above Um, trails and passes. um, That was like, I think when they did that record, they go, Oh, okay. This is who we are. This is what we can do.
0: I was going to say once, once Arvid took over on the vocals, I mean, that really became kind of what everyone recognizes as Greenleaf. Yeah. Correct. That's the album right before this and then on. So
3: yeah, and I, and I think it's just it's it's a super strong record. I, I don't know, you know, I don't know the different the change of going from one label to another if they get more direction or what. But like there's there is some really hard hitters on this one, but also like super super catchy, great uh, like singles and songs on 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 this record. And you, and I, I'm always interested to see if like did they get signed after the last record by Napalm or do they pitch this album to Napalm because and Napalm was like oh shit there's a lot of hits on here you know because uh because it's it's a solid record through and through for sure
0: so kind of to get into to segue into the lineup changes and what makes this band interesting and we kind of touched on it when arvid started before this and it gets a little confusing for me but if you know anything about the history of greenleaf i was just kind of looking at it a little bit before this and the very first album that they put out, um, which I don't really know very well, um, just the Greenleaf EP had Peter Bergstrand oh, as vo- Low Rider. For, uh, vocals from Lowrider, as we all know. And then as you go, the next album had Friedrich, the vocalist from Dozer mm-hmm. on Revolution Rock and Secret Alphabets. Also, Carl Daniel Leiden on drums for those first couple. Which, who
3: produces their records now.
0: I was going to say who produces the records and and Ryan you uh, your yeah, album he, as well, right? I, yeah,
3: he did. He did our record as well. Yeah, I got to talk to I got to talk to to Daniel about like uh about the history of like Swedish rock and kind of uh when we played a festival in Sweden at at Fuzzfest and uh it was kind of interesting to hear like cuz I was like Daniel, you you played drums. You like you were the first drummer in Greenleaf and he's like, "Yeah," I just uh, I like I like uh, he had a really interesting perspective because I like mixing better because uh, there's nobody can tell me uh, to what, you know, like my drums need to be in the background anymore. I can just I can just turn it up myself. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and it was kind of it was kind of interesting to hear he meant that like in there was a lot of honesty in that. But, you know, he wasn't yeah. there's no there's no animosity. You know, it was all like in, in, in good fun. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, but his, I think his it was
0: producing his his mixing and mastering is like, to me, oh, I don't I don't know it... a lot about all that, but is essential to some of the sound. Greenleaf, Dozer, the new Lowrider album. And and I'm sure that it goes into a lot of why you had him work on the High Desert Queen album. I mean, you can tell a record that he's had his hands on. Oh,
3: it's 100% he, he's like another we... member
0: of these bands, you know?
3: Yeah. And he really is like the and he was actually a playing member, but he's just every bit as important to this band as, as anybody else is. And he's, and he's, and these records are exactly why we went after him and mm-hmm. we're thrilled that he, he said yes to, to mix and master. But um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's kind of a very interesting history. It's like they were, from what I gathered talking to him, and we can kind of figure that out too, from looking at their history, but it was more of like uh, Hey, let's just jam and, and write music kind of like kind of what the desert was doing. You know, out in the California desert with with like the desert sessions and like different bands like coming together and from different members and and kind of jamming and writing stuff. And it's very cold in Sweden in the winter. And uh, there's a lot of sitting around and and playing music indoors. And I just kind of wrote, wrote a lot of music, I feel like. And then it and then it became more than a side project for sure. For yeah. Clearly now.
0: Clearly. Yeah. And, and still now to this day, you know, half the members are active in dozer um, right. who are putting out a record in what right. a few days um, by the time this episode's out it'll be out so yeah um, and if
5: i if i remember correctly i think greenleaf was a dozer side project is how it started yeah, and then good. it just took off
3: i believe so yeah it was literally a just a dozer side project when i guess dozer was kind of like taking a break maybe for a little bit yeah. and and greenleaf was was the thing at the time and interestingly enough on this record the rise above the meadow that we're mainly going to talk about i mean it's it's half Dozer, I guess, because uh, uh, Johann's on bass. He's the Dozer bass player as well on this record. So it's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, it's, they're all great musicians. So they, they know what they're doing, that's for sure. But they're yeah. definitely honed in their sound on this record, I think.
5: I think we, we should also give uh, a shout out to Oscar from Truck Fighters for appearing. He was on a, a couple records as well. Um, yeah. I don't know if you I have did. the notes in front of the you there, Ryan.
0: Yeah, I was kind of looking around on it. Um, so there is yeah, which, a, an appearance by him. And Which on one
3: was the, he uh, on? Agents of...
2: He's on a few. Yeah. Because yeah.
3: I feel like there's song like, I, man, I should have done my homework, like, but I didn't. On, but, like there's, They have on, like different uh, singers on different records. You're like well, I mean, like, even a record can have several singers on it, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, yeah. sure
2: Agents of Aerman, 2007, and he's also on uh, Nesta Viper, 2012.
0: Cool. Yeah, yeah, and Daniel Johnson was on Secret Alphabets from Demon Cleaner. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yep. kind of a, a cool rotating cast of like stoner rock legends, uh, kind of in and out of some of these bands, which is is, is cool.
4: Yeah, as I recall, the only consistent member on every single album is Tommy. Tommy, yeah, mm-hmm.
2: it looks like Daniel was one of the original members.
4: Yeah, yep,
3: Demon Cleaner, he, was yeah. Ri- he was an original member, the drummer, and then. And then uh and oh well, yeah and then of course frederick i felt like was was their singer for a while with like it was like essentially almost like a dozer record it just had a little bit more blues to it if not i feel like um but frederick not.
0: is on a uh, upcoming episode of real or fuzz in case anyone wants to check that out awesome yeah awesome <laughs> that'll be a
3: good one he's he's a he's hilarious i'm sure you, you've already recorded it
0: yeah yeah
3: uh, I'm, I'm sure that was a good time He's he's hilarious
0: I think I caught him off guard a little bit <laughs> by the whole concept, but uh, it was a good time. We got to talk about Greenleaf and Dozer and stuff a little bit there at the end, but uh, it was, I love thing. the
3: episodes you have that catch people off guard. That's the way. I, that's yeah. Awesome. I, yeah. 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 Well, they're like, what, what I'm supposed what to is this? What Why did I sign up for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I thought we were talking yeah, about right. Greenleaf and here I am talking about assholes and dicks. and, dicks <laughs> and- Yeah,
3: exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: So anyway, on, on that note, um, Let's talk about "Rise Above the Meadow." How's everyone feel about this? Um, I know that that some of this Greenleaf and they have a kind of a deep catalog was a little new to some of us and not so new to, to others. Um, if it was new to you, you know what? Did, what did you think upon first listening? Or what else did you heard? Had you heard like their more recent material, or was this kind of your first introduction to Greenleaf?
2: I totally slept on this band. This is the first record I've heard. I've heard the name around. I had no idea they've been around that long or who was in that band. Yeah. Um. But this record, I plugged it in. Amazing. It's so musically mature, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. and captures that that classic rock stoner sound. It's thick. You know, it's got amazing uh, guitar work in it. It's it's incredible. That's really really good.
0: Yeah. It's kind of hard to listen to this and find like a real flaw in it because they have such a Mm -hmm. unique sound that's all kind of their own um, without without like comparing to Dozer, I guess, which is obvious. But it's it doesn't really sound like any other stoner rock, quote unquote, stoner rock. Like it kind of sounds like Greenleaf and and that's about Mm -hmm. it. And there's really nothing wrong with with this album. There is no low point in it where I would go like, "Eh, you know, that was a miss. Every song on the album could could be a single. Every every song sounds unique enough from each other that it could be its own standalone single. And also, there's no like real like standout though either. Like there's not really a point where I go, holy shit, that's wild. They they're just like so consistently Greenleaf, and I mean that in a, a good way. That it's hard to find really much to critique about it. It's kind of a masterpiece in its own. But Greenleaf kind of does that anyway. I mean their recent album. Echoes from a
4: Mass. I thought the same thing. It's just so good all the way through. Yeah. So I actually don't think that Greenleaf is correctly categorized as you know like a stoner rock band. Um, I I think they're doing something entirely different. I, I think they're just a, a really good heart you know guitar rock band. Uh, yeah, a, good, a good hard rock Swedish band. Yeah. You yeah, yeah. You know because they don't have a ton of the hallmarks of it. You
0: know, it doesn't I mean, make me feel like cruising through the desert like some of those other bands do. <laughs> this doesn't this doesn't make me feel that. No, and, it's, a, it's and like I other
3: members, like other members of the band, truck fighters and bands like that. That's what that's what yeah, you think about. They, doing, they you
0: know? do. Low, Low rider absolutely does. It makes me want yeah. to go driving through the desert with the top down. This doesn't make me feel that. But it does get categorized as Stoner Rock so easily for a number of reasons.
4: A lot of obvious reasons. But, you know, well, I mean, I mean it's, it's like I, I was listening a lot to this record this week and uh, and I was listening to some of their other records to kind of give myself a little bit more of a context mostly with the current vocalist just because I I think that he's really kind of defined that the, the apex that is greenleaf and uh, I sent a, a song from uh, echoes from a mass to someone and I, who doesn't listen to this uh, this type of music you know if we're talking about stoner rock doom things like that and uh, this person was like, this song is actually kind of killer. And I was like, yeah. And I think that Greenleaf is, is a little different in that they're a little more approachable um, than a lot of the rest of the the stoner doom underground.
3: Oh, it's very listener friendly. You know what I mean? Like it's, it is, it is not abrasive. There's melody. Uh, Tommy has got such a unique sound, like we said earlier, and kind of a, a, I think where it falls in the stoner realm is because, you know, stoner really is derived from like American blues rock and like uh, and Tommy definitely has that blues sound, I feel like, and maybe his tone and the way he plays. But, uh, but especially with Arvid, it is so just like listener friendly. And I mean, he's, he's such a great singer. And I I, I was interested to find out that when I was talking to Tommy and, and, and Daniel, they told me that he is also, cause I was like, he, he's a phenomenal vocalist. I was like, where, where, where'd you get this guy? And you know, is he just, he's just around and apparently he's a, he's like a jazz vocalist
1: mm, wow.
3: and, and he sings like a lot of like jazz stuff and, and it just like worked seamless. And that, and, and as soon as I heard that, like they told me that I go, that makes sense. Cause his melodies and he's just got range for days.
0: Mm-hmm. He's got and such a that, softness to his voice. That like, it takes it takes any like abrasiveness off of like the the rock part of it you know like there's there's not enough edge to it to where like people would be turned off or like right. it's just got such a softness to it that it'd be great to be stoned to it but it's not necessarily stoner <laughs> <or>
4: rock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. the only things that are stoner rock about it are the name of the band and the fact. Right. They're playing pentatonic riffs. Yes, mm-hmm. like that's that's Great. essentially it. I mean, even the guitar tone is not stoner rock guitar tone.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: It's, it's an based on my ears, at least. Like they're not using big muff pedals and stuff like that. I'm I'm guessing it's just an overdrive into either an Orange or a JCM 800.
3: I think it's just an amp turned way up.
4: Yeah, I don't.
3: Even, I, don't I don't even think it's. I think it's just fingers, man, and 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 a lot of a lot of some volume, mm-hmm. it, like, like an old blues guy would have been.
2: There's so much classic rock influence in what yeah. they're doing, rather than the stoner stuff.
4: I thought some of the
2: songs. I, I almost was like, wow, that's almost like Jethro Tullish kind of at 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 points, and yeah.
4: I heard a lot of Mountain in it. Honestly, yeah, that's what yep. I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you
1: guys are killing me. Um, I'm with Chris. I I um probably heard them back in I'm guessing 2013 or earlier, and I I didn't think much. And ironically, um I think the dope you know the marijuana thing is a little too baked into the genre sometimes. So I I mean I'll admit it. I I thought Greenleaf was like a local bunch of local yokels. I didn't realize the history. I totally slept on these guys. And, and and then, hearing this album, I'm like, "Oh good God, this is like Sergeant Thunderhoof level, like oh, yeah. finely crafted, great storytelling. um, everything about it is perfect, yeah. but yeah, they're definitely not Stoner, but gosh, darn that name because they're gonna get lumped in i I which is funny my my name's Clesover Stoner, but." I'm making fun of the the genre in that way. This was an amazing album. I'm embarrassed that I didn't know it, and it's like what other bands are out there that I've never heard of that are iconic, and this this is one of them. Yeah,
3: yeah. I, I'm, gl- I'm glad you mentioned storytelling. I I, yeah. I enjoy listening to Arvid's lyrics a lot. Like he's a very good. I mean, obviously his melodies are fin- are fantastic, but his his lyrics are great, I think that comes maybe from that jazz influence to telling the tell them stories. And I don't know. I, I love listening to the song "A Million Fireflies." It's is, is a really cool, freaking yeah. song to listen to lyrically mm-hmm. as well.
1: And it, it was a great choice for the first song because it set the tone. It destroyed my expectations right away. I thought it was going to be you know mm-hmm. stock or cliched, and no, not at all. And it, it was a great, great opener on this album.
5: Yeah, I always like. Sometimes I catch myself off guard because sometimes like I'll, I won't listen to this album for a long time, then I'll turn it on and I'll forget about the drums. So I'll like have it cranked and then the drums will come in. I'll be like, oh, God, I'll have to turn everything back down. That, that intro is phenomenal. And that what a way the, la- the only thing I can like think of is like, uh, like Siamese Dream by The Pumpkins, like literally like being like verbose enough to come in with a drum roll for your own album. And this is just like that on steroids and it's just a blast (laughs) to your face.
3: And I think that's, that's a big nod to like Daniel. Uh, And I always say, I always joke because I'm from Texas and I always call him Daniel Lydon. But I think (laughs) it's like, I think it's like Lydion or something, you know, but um, I always think it's interesting. The engineer is a drummer and it sounds, the drums are huge, (laughs) they're enormous, right? But nothing else gets lost. Yeah, you know, you can work with an engineer as a guitar player, and it's like we're gonna have seven thousand tracks of guitar, and then <laughs> the drums are there, but we're gonna have this wall of guitar sound, right? But that's why I really love his mixes because he's not even drumming in the band now, but he's mixing it, and their drums are Matt Lowriders' drums. Good God, yeah. it's is it's it, massive, you know?
0: Yeah, like I, drum, I said, I don't I don't know anything about mixing or or producing an album, but like he's one that I could probably pick out like if i was listening to an album i go i wonder if daniel Lydon had anything to do with this album yeah. and he's probably the only person i could say that about
3: and what's funny is he he put it in a way that when I, we were talking and he explained it to me that was really interesting he said like imagine think about how when we record things it's on back in the day it was on tape right and so you have this much you have this much tape to put music on so when you put a bunch of guitar on it you literally only have this much room for certain things and so he's you have to be really aware of like where everything is in its, its space because it's not like you can just put a, a thousand things in the digital world it still doesn't work that way you have to like you know everything has to have its room and and, I, and he, he, he jokes about I was like you won't i won't name names and he's like i'll get stuff from these bands and it pisses me off because they'll send me 38 guitar tracks and uh they have no idea i'm using two you know they like they they have no idea like oh man my guitar sound huge he's like yeah yeah it's all—it's it's everything you sent me but it's not you know and uh and that that comes through on this record too for sure
0: it's a little early to be talking about favorite tracks and and like i said earlier it's, it's hard to, to pick something like that out of this thing it, it seems like such a uh i don't know even record i mean it's just it's good all the way through so it I don't know that I could, but one that stood out to me was the Levitate and and Bow, because there's it's a two parter song. It's it's one of the longer <laughs> songs on the album, and and that one really stood out to me. But uh, well, now you like long songs, <laughs> you know. Sometimes when people do them right, I, I don't mind the long song. You know what I mean. Hot take:
5: I I don't like Levitate and Bow. I I like I can't get it over fast enough what i I can't i can't skip it fast like every every time i think this is going to be the this is going to be the day i listen to it all the way through and i get like five minutes in and i'm like
0: oh come on can we isn't that funny how i I finally how i finally like a longer song and it's the one that you skip
5: (laughs) yeah of like my favorite band too yeah (laughs) yeah
3: all right and boom Blake, the Doom guy. What? What is that your favorite track though? Because it's long. Or what? What is you have? Do you have a favorite track of this record?
4: No, I definitely have a favorite track. It's the second longest song, Pilgrims. I love okay, Pilgrims.
3: I'm, I'm always curious to hear Blake's when we listen. To, when we do a record like this, like not Doom, in the mm-hmm. slightest. I'm always interested to hear his take on it. And yeah, Pilgrims is a. Uh, I have like a lot of one A's and one B's and one C's and. Yeah, there, there's longest time you know Million Fireflies is my favorite track because I think I always heard it like on different mixes that I would listen to and so it's probably still the one I identify with the most because I, I, I know it the, the most but then I'll, I'll go through periods where like uh, Golden Throne is just like my favorite track for a while and then you know it's it's one of, cause one of those records I've been listening to it since it came out and so I'll go a period where I don't listen to it right and then I put it back on and I'm like Oh shit. That song is the one I I I hits me now. So that's a sign of a good record that that my favorite right now is probably Golden Throne, but it's been three other songs in the past.
0: As I was (laughs) listening to it, I did that to every song. I feel like I would listen to a song and be like, Oh, this one, this one is kind of catchy. This might be like a single. I like this one a lot. And then the next song would come on and I go, Ooh, this one's nice. This might be like a single. This one's really good. And I did that to like the entire album. It was like every track I kind of felt that with. So it was hard to go back and kind of pick one out because I kind of had the same reaction to all of them.
1: I kept waiting for the next song to be a clunker. You know what I mean? Like a lot of times you get an album, they start out strong, then they put in some filler. And so it it was, again, humbling to listen to it because there's not a clunker. Um, Everything is, every bit is good, but at the same time different. It's not a one-note album. It, so it sounds as it has the same clarity the same recording, same production, but the songs aren't the same. And I, I was just trying to look up the dynamic range because one thing that kills me because I listen exclusively on headphones is when things are brick walled to the point that it's just the, everything has the same level of loudness. And this strikes me as something that's actually moderate. You know, it's not it's not compressed and squished to the point the G. sound soundstage. And does anybody, anybody else care about that first?
0: It's out of my realm of expertise, so I would love to hear you explain it more.
1: <laughs> well, I'm listening to a, an, another band, and I love the music. I love it. I'm going to do a review on it. But it's so squished that I get fatigued by the time the album's done. <clears throat> I'm like burnt out. Where yeah. with this one, it gets done, um, and I'm ready to go again. And that kind of tells me somewhere that the product, not only the production was good, but you know, it's really listenable. Yeah. But if yeah. it has a, if it has a dy- dynamic range of 17, well, I just blew that out the water.
3: <laughs> the lower they, the they better, f- by the way. They find that good balance of like punishing your drums, but not making them bleed. Right. You know, like they, they, they find that right balance of, like it makes you move. It's heavy. It's good, but it's not to where you're just like you know. Where some some albums are just so big and so heavy that it it like you said it you can kind of get fatigued by it for sure. Yeah, this one doesn't. And I think and and no clunker from the record. No knock to any records previous, but basically ever since Arvid started singing in this band, there's like literally no slouch on any record that Arvid is on in my in my opinion. Yeah,
0: Echoes from a Mass. A couple of years ago was one of my Oof. favorite records of the year, and that's my I knew thing. I knew the album before that. I forget what that one's uh, what that one's called. Hear the rivers. Uh, hear the rivers. Yeah, I hear the I rivers. I knew oh, that oh, album. What a great record too. I knew Hear the rivers pretty well. I knew Echoes from a Mass really well, but I I never really gave it time to go back and like listen to their entire catalog, and it I you know that's my mistake. I guess they they have such a deep Catalog of music, but um, yeah, they just keep killing it. I'm, I'm sure that they have something in the works here in the near future, and it'll be just as equally uh, amazing. So, what was Chris? What was your favorite track? Did you mention it? Or did I miss it? Favorite
2: track was "You're Gonna Be My Ruin." Hmm. That's the one after. Was it something and Bow? What is it?
0: Mm-hmm. Levitate. Yeah. Levitate, levitate and Bell, is, yeah the one right, right after there that right are in the middle right i think yeah.
2: yeah yeah when i when um a lot of times when i listen to this stuff um especially when i'm analyzing it i'll do like artwork or painting and i'll just have it on in the background and you're going to be my ruin as it progresses through the song Um, it starts to get a little more aggressive towards the end and that had me sort of Ooh, come to daddy. <laughs> so, I like it when it gets heavy. I like, you know what I mean? And they're not like a heavy band, but um, just the slightest bit of aggression from them sounds huge. So it was, yeah, that song for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah
3: that's that's another good point. That's another good point about this band. They're not heavy, mm-hmm. but, with, but they're heavy enough that when they get heavy, it's like blow your fucking mind heavy. Mm -hmm. even though it's not but they their dynamics are so good to see this band live is an absolute treat and people go ape shit when their songs get heavy even though their music's not even their heavy part right i've i could see a same band that night that's twice as heavy but the crowd did not react to Mm -hmm. it like they do what there is because of the dynamics, dynamics. The, of, yeah. the dynamics of taking it down and knowing when to, you know, take it up. And I mean, they're, they're a phenomenal live band. Uh, cause, cause Tommy's insane on stage. He's crazy. I, I love watching him. He's moving his everything about, he's, he's so good live. And then Arvid, uh, he's got such a great voice live too. It's, it's, really impressive so it's such an interesting
0: band to try to describe to someone because like they have this heavy music and they're classified as this heavy heavier band but again not to beat a dead horse here but arvid's voice softens it up to where it's like really hard to describe and it, it's almost kind of like like deftones where like it's yeah metal it's it's heavy but then like his voice something about his voice like mellows it out and makes it soft enough for consumption and it's just really hard to describe that. And Greenleaf is kind of the only one that I know that kind of does that.
3: It's almost like they're miscategorized. I mean, I think Blake kind of basically said that earlier. That's in the wrong genre. Uh, but I mean they were signed to Napalm Records.
0: Yeah, so another you, Yeah, that's, another interesting.
3: What are you expecting? It's good you're expecting this metal, you know, heavy record, you know? Yeah. But yeah. they're not that. So it's it's interesting.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> um anyone interested in the artwork I can show the artwork oh the artwork is so cool
5: yeah. I stared at that for hours the first time I saw it
0: yeah this is I mean they have they have a lot of great artwork but this one is uh is very cool and very intricate yeah. so yeah. this was done by um Sebastian jerky uh, Herky? <laughs> I don't know um he's a German designer and illustrator. And he's done a number of other albums that we might know, including the other Greenleaf album, "Hear the Rivers." He did that artwork. Cool. Um, as well as, I'll just go through the list here.
4: Yeah, there's a, so a long,
0: a long list of artwork, but Jeez. these were some of my favorites. God's Ground. I don't know if anyone knows this record, but it's a, it's a pretty good yeah. one. That's uh, cool. Yeah. And this one, obviously, from Here the Rivers. Yeah, he can totally get lost in that oh, artwork cool. forever. Oh,
3: Sleeping, like, sleeping karma. karma.
0: Yeah. It's a great record. So, yeah. Mm. So this dude has done a lot of artwork in the scene. A lot of bands I've never heard of, but uh, a few that I have. Um, but
1: Love that artwork. Album.
0: It's very cool. Yeah. That's a really good artist.
1: So I had just watched um, something on YouTube, a documentary making fun of the trend in death metal. For all and technical death metal, for all the albums to be blue in color, and they showed like 15 albums that were all blue. And that was the day that, that you know I found out we were doing this, so that's what struck me at first was oh, there's another blue, blue hinted, uh, blue tinted uh, album cover. I thought it was funny, and this is anything but I mean, sorry, folks, if you're looking for a killer death metal, you probably need to look somewhere else, yeah, yeah.
0: Does anyone know, uh, Pat, you're our, our resident researcher. Oh, God, <laughs> uh, we'll yeah, see. <laughs> Does anyone know what Rise Above the Meadow uh, is supposed to like signify or, or why they chose that? Be- I, the only reason I bring it up even is because of the artwork, and I'm just wondering what they're trying to say with that. I mean, there's sort of a, a trend.
5: Uh, trails and passes, Rise Above the Meadow, Hear mm-hmm. the Rivers.
3: That's yeah, very, yeah, very, very conceptual. Urban. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
5: That's all, that's all I got for you, Ryan. I'm sorry. Yeah,
3: yeah, but there's definitely some concept stuff into this, and I, I, I would I would venture to say they had it named before uh, the artist took it because the artist took that title and ran with it.
0: That's yep. really really rad art for mm-hmm. for that title.
2: I see one, two fireflies. Sorry, I was trying to see yeah. if there was a million in there.
0: There might be a million in there somewhere. I know, right? (laughs) Nice. How's that look?
2: That is really cool, though.
3: There's so much detail in there; it's crazy. A
2: lot of, a lot of insects and owls.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Right. Well, anything that you think that they could have done differently or better, or, or maybe, maybe a better question because we've kind of covered that a little bit. And the answer is no, not really. Uh, is there anything that they have since improved upon or done better or differently since this album?
3: Well, I mean, I that's tough to pinpoint because I think they're all good, but I, I do think that as good as this record is, and it' I think here, the rivers is better, and then I think even uh, for the masses, um, extra mass, extra mass is even better than that. So I. I Feel like I mean, and I think this record's phenomenal. I just think that you know, I, I just think they've really come to their own, and and uh, I love some of the singles that they have, like on Echoes from a Mass. I think that there's a lot of just they're definitely not worried about. I think we talked about it in the last episode about we like bands that aren't scared to not be heavy or not or do something melodic or or do a track that is totally not. Kind of like a ballad, I guess, in a, in, in a sense. But mm-hmm. uh, and, and they've gotten, I think, more brave about that or something. I, I don't know what the word is, but there's a lot more of that. I think the albums have just that much more dynamics e- even now. But I don't know. It's it's hard to say that they've done anything wrong. Uh,
0: no. By, yeah. By any it's, it's stretch. Pretty, you know? pretty hard to say that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm just calculating how much time I'm going to lose over the next week listening, catching up with. <laughs> with this band mm-hmm. um i i'm seeing what you know my thing would be i would like a longer more extended um song probably in the eight to ten minute range just to tell a whole story or do a cycle i know that uh, ryan probably won't be a fan of that but it, it would be cool to see what they can do you know in something with some movements Um, But I love, unless it's 18 minutes long, being a Doom guy, it's hard for me to get too interested, kind of.
5: It's interesting because I I feel like they could pull it off really, really successfully. But I think maybe the longest song they ever did was Nest of Vipers, A Multitude of Sin, which was only only, uh, eight minutes and 12 seconds, which is kind of short when you consider (laughs) what it could be. Yeah,
4: I'd say that's short.
3: Yeah. Yes, yeah, so maybe that's one thing we could say that because I, I I would love to hear a long movement type of track uh, by them and maybe that's something that that we if we could say like hey let's give them a suggestion for something that that would be that maybe or even a full really cool.
1: a full concept album would even but yeah. but you know that's my prog DNA kicking yeah. in and. Wanting to relive early Genesis,
0: <laughs> I, I do want to go back and listen to some of their pre Arvid yeah. material more because I, I wonder. For one, maybe that's kind of where the Greenleaf come from comes from. Maybe it started off as like a real stoner. Uh, I think Pat, maybe you yeah. alluded to this a little bit or something. Maybe some yeah. of that earlier stuff was much more stoner yeah. rock, and they it was as many changes yeah. they've gone through, and and especially a singer change and that kind of stuff. Maybe they kept the name, lost the uh, the sound.
5: Yeah, Revolution Rock is, like, a nod to a lot of, like, stoner rock and classic rock. And you, you have songs, like, the titles, like, Devil Woman, You Got Me High, uh,
0: the Hexagram. I, so, like, they're, they're, checking all the boxes. I never heard what Valley of the Sun's inspiration for volume rock was, but it seems like it has to be related somehow, yeah? The album cover, the album name, everything. Oh, it's yeah, fun. Yeah. that's a good point it's just got, it's got like the the dials on it and then now mm-hmm. the sun's volume rock has, is kind of the same concept
3: yeah and yeah, revolution rock revolution rock was the first record i heard by them I, I, and it probably right after it came out because i was searching for more dozer material mm-hmm. uh because i had just gotten a huge dozer kick and to me it was an extension of dozer i mean it was essentially what it was um yeah. but
0: and well, and same so it same vocals at that point too so
3: right and it was totally and i, and I I didn't find out the I didn't find the EP uh, until years later, and listening to it, I didn't even know it was Peter uh, until I probably really I probably did some research because I don't even think I knew it was Peter because I was also basing all of Peter's vocals off of uh, Ode to I O, and uh, yeah. we heard we had that interesting story I think on your episode where he said he was like sick when he recorded that, which, which I think was uh-huh. uh, inter- inter- interesting to learn. But yeah, I didn't even know it was Peter. Uh, on that on that on that uh Greenleaf record but yeah to me it was it was totally stoner rock when it started totally uh but they're they're they have evolved and uh i i mean and arvis he's 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 why i think they've, they've changed. Cause, i mean when they when they had uh what it, cedric from uh truck fighters right they had oscar. singing for a while oscar sorry yeah oscar oscar it was like yeah i mean it was hey, it's it's, a, it's another quintessential stoner rock band uh, vocalists and frontman. Um, I think, mean, but now they could they could probably be recategorized if they didn't have the long catalog of stoner rock before it. I guess. Yeah.
0: yeah. Peter also did the artwork for Echoes from a Mass as well nice. as the artwork for the New Dozer album, <laughs> I believe. Yeah, I know. So there's just there's like this continuous like kind of strange triangle or something but between all those bands. Like I, I just find really fascinating. You know,
3: who's really smart about that is Jad. Jad is really helped from uh, Magnetic Eye and Blues Funeral, who now mm-hmm. uh, Dozer is on Blues Funeral. Yep. Um, he's done a really good job of orchestrating. I mean, they already have the connections, but yeah. he really has really got a great eye for seeing how that all should be linked together. He's really yeah. good
0: about that. Yeah, it's very cool. All right. Well, what else can we say about this uh, this record?
2: Yeah. I want more.
0: <laughs> yeah, listen to it loud.
2: I'm glad I just found these guys because now I have a whole catalog to, to yeah. go dive into.
0: <laughs> I know, that's what's so fun, fun about of... finding a band.
3: Finding a band that has a bunch of records, oh, that's like a great feeling, yeah, right? It is,
0: and, and I hope a lot of people check them out because it kind of seems like the people that know Greenleaf love Greenleaf. But there's a good chunk of people that that don't, and it's it's going to be interesting to see how many people kind of just dig into their whole catalog from here. Because you know, they, they, to, the people who know them, they're they're legendary, and the people that don't, you know, they'll probably come around, I guess. But it's interesting.
3: And they're they're going to they're playing a lot, uh, you know, a lot of festivals. We're we're being I'm I'm going to be lucky enough to get to see both Dozer and Greenleaf at some festivals they're playing overseas this this summer, but. Yeah. I know that Dozer's already talked a lot about trying to come over to the States and then uh, Greenleaf the same. So hopefully, hopefully that happens. I keep trying. They might to as well bring Lowrider
0: along at the same time. We'll just have this yes. traveling circuit of Lowrider, Dozer, and Greenleaf. Yeah. What a, lineup. Have
3: what a lineup. Three
1: bands either. and only a few visas.
3: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> you get your money no, for they, it.
3: That's a great oh, yeah. idea. As a, as a concert and festival promoter, that is a very big selling point, right there. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so hopefully, we get to see him stateside because I don't, I know Greenleaf's never been over here. When I say I know that. I don't. I'm pretty certain they haven't. Dozer has, but it's been a long time. I, well,
0: I, when really, I talked to to Friedrich, I, I think that he had mentioned that Greenleaf had a lot of plans. I don't know about U.S. necessarily, but a lot of plans for shows and touring around echoes for a mass, but it was a, a kind of a COVID situation. So maybe, maybe they would have, or, or will in the future, but yeah. a lot of best laid plans.
1: Are they still on Napalm?
3: The last record was Napalm. Was okay. So yeah, yeah the last it. record was Napalm. There's always, I mean, I talked to them and I, I know a little more that I could probably say on air. But I'll say the last record was Napalm. I'll just say that. Oh, <laughs> intriguing!
2: <laughs> dropper.
3: <laughs> Cliffhanger. Yeah, for, for a previous go. episode, for, for a future episode. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, any was, final
0: thoughts?
1: Yeah, it, it was a great choice, um, and that's what I love about Fuzz Club in general. Um, whether it's Barbara Marquet or or <laughs> Greenleaf, we we do bring the classics uh, here. No, it, it's a fantastic introduction, and you know I'm definitely going to do some writing on them and and some catch up. Um, and and it's just again, it's just mind blowing how much I don't know. Um, it's humbling, and it sometimes it makes me want to quit. You know, yeah. but then I'm like, no, I'm the kid in the candy store, man. I just got to learn this whole new thing. Okay. You're 60 years old. Come on. Feel like you're 13 again. Let, let's party. What? I'd be curious if they're not stoner. What? I mean, do we even have a genre?
3: Hard rock. Could. I kind of agree. But- I think Blake's right. I think hard rock. It's just, it's just yeah. hard rock, which I know falls under the very large right. umbrella of stoner rock and everything else, but. I think it's what they are. I mean, desert, yeah, they're getting...
0: I mean, desert Rock kind of changes their own definition every few years, it feels like, <laughs> Desert Rock, you know?
3: Yeah.
0: At exactly one point, Desert desert Rock was kind of synonymous with Stoner Rock, but now Desert Rock kind of seems like maybe it walks a little bit more psychedelic or something, but...
1: especially yeah. with Yawning Man the, and mm-hmm. them doing their stuff. They're, they're getting play. Um, well, yeah, Yawning but Man is the doing stuff like,
3: to, Bob Balch. They're doing stuff like, Bob Balch from Free I know. I, I, I can't. Now, right? Yawning Balch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. But
1: it's hard for me to categorize them with a band like Abrams Or, you know, Queens of the Stone Age being hard rock And the other, whatever hard rock bands are out there uh, I would think that's tough for a band Because they're so unique and different But it's hard to pigeonhole
2: yeah. yeah, they have they have way too much energy to be a stoner band And that's but what's they, awesome about them they, keep, they had me bopping the whole way
1: they're too alert, and there was no bong hit at the beginning on the first track, so it threw me <laughs> off.
3: Yeah, yeah, the BPMs right are a little too—they're—they're they're too high, or too consistent, they're too high. Uh, on 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 that, the, the, the tempo is always really good, but not. But I always joke about stoner bands. Uh, mm-hmm. Is like the shuffle beat at all times, mm-hmm. right? They're always the same shuffle beat. They have that, but not a lot you know it's it's a lot there's a lot of groove and rhythm uh with this band so i'd say it's just rock and roll hard rock and roll yeah, yeah
1: it's and i know i think, rock and roll i like it
3: and i think we all touched on it too like this is another it's, oh, it's interesting segueing what we just talked about but this is like a good like a introduction like when people are like well, i don't know what and I, I, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't know what Stone Rock is. I don't know. Well, here's Greenleaf, but not really Stone Rock. But mm-hmm. it, it could open a door to this, all these other bands that are just, you know, phenomenal that, you know, just don't aren't played on the radio. But I feel like Greenleaf's right there, though. I mean, Echoes from the Mass Hat songs that, well, heck, a million Fireflies could be on the radio you know they're just it's just not so well,
1: yeah. it could have been on the radio 40 years ago it could be on the radio now it kind of has that timeless it it can fit in just about anywhere which means yeah. it doesn't fit in anywhere
0: Scott you and I yeah. kind of talked about that when we talked uh, like a month ago or something about like some of this music is so catchy and yeah. and consumable that it should have been on the radio but instead you know there's like this whole other genre of heavier music that somehow became the radio rock and this this kind of stuff stoner rock and whatnot just doesn't it just doesn't get that so I don't know it's definitely catchy enough it definitely has all the right elements to be there but it just it's not
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. someday we can all dream
0: someday <laughs> if radio is still around someday then <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah but, but but in a way I mean I hate there there's a there's a fine line because it can almost taint it you know like there was even like, I mean, I never, I've, Queen Stone Angel, one of my favorite bands, but I remember like hearing about in the scene when they went mainstream, people were like, oh, shame on them. And I'm like, uh, no, that's rad, man, because that's just going to open the door for other people, you know? But, but, mm-hmm. so you, you, you just hope for a band like someone, and, and Greenleaf would be a great band to pop.
0: Just it popped. kind of didn't, though, in a way. I mean, Queens of Stone Age, it didn't really open up any, like, stoner rock to, to radio, did it? I mean, MTV, Literally, nothing. no. None at no. all. Like, it, it, they, I it, mean, they kept get, getting more like mainstream yeah. and whatnot, yeah. but it you, really didn't open too many doors for, for the You era. had, like, you
5: had a, a few bands that were, like, that straddled both sides of the stoner rock and like the hard rock, classic rock, radio rock. Like you had like Wolf Mother and bands like that that were coming out yeah. and they were like had some stoner rock elements, but they, they never had like a pure stoner rock band.
0: I, just I remember up. hearing like like Monster Magnet on the radio and you know, yeah. some mm-hmm. of those briefly for like an yeah. album, maybe or a song. Well, a for single. like
3: a song, yeah. yeah. Monster Magnet yeah. had a massive song, you know, yeah. was, and then that and, was that was kind of it. <laughs> They're, they're they're still riding that song, but you know that's good yeah. for them. I mean, it's great, yeah. but but they have a lot of really good music too. So it's it's just it's just interesting. Yeah, yeah you're right. Queen of Stone age popped, and a couple of bands did pop, and then it just ironically it didn't turn into, pop into because what you it would hope. It would have. Everything, all music just turned into pop. Yeah, you know? pop. Yeah, crap. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but this is a perfect Greenleaf would be a good band. I, I could see this being a band that would yep. blow up and maybe open some doors, because I think they're, I mean, I think we all agree, they're definitely good enough,
0: and definitely um, palatable for the masses. I was
2: just going to use that word, super palatable.
0: Well, they have a good, they have a big record label behind them, too. I mean, they have been for a while, so maybe that's not going to turn into what you hope it is, but, you know.
1: And now they have us.
0: And now <laughs> they're on the club, club, so it's gonna happen we, for sure.
3: We may have just taken. You're welcome, Greenleaf. We just got. You.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we just want copies of the Platinum album. That, yeah, that's, that's good.
0: Exactly. <laughs> All right. Neat. Well, if that's if that's it, anybody else have any final thoughts on this album? Uh, no? Great album. It's solid. Album. It's
3: one of. Yeah. The, I mean, we, we, we've done a lot of good albums on this on this episode in the show, and that this is definitely a, a very good one.
0: For sure. Um, Scott, if you want to lead us off and tell everybody what you are up to and plug anything you'd like, we'll we'll wrap this thing up.
1: Yeah, now I know how you felt the other day. <laughs> so, clean the sober stoner is a uh, blog. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also an addiction counselor, which is where I get the the play. I get to play both sides of the fence on that. Um, I'm working on a very long analysis of uh, Acid King um, in honor Ooh. of the new amazing i'm um, so i'm i am so i am they are another band i didn't know i mean it, you'd have to read it to to see why i say it. so i listened to their whole discography and read um acid king by uh you know the book um so i've been immersed in the world of acid king um we also have a youtube channel uh where ryan and i just um just published before we went on here today um he and i are debating metallica and I mistakenly say the Bob Rock produced Steph Leverd, but they all sounded the same, so you know, it was close i think it <laughs> yeah. But please check out the blog at cleanandsoberstoner.com and, uh, and the YouTube channel, same.
3: Awesome.
0: Chris?
2: Uh, we've got, uh, we just went through some lineup changes. <laughs> we brought in Mr. Garney to, uh, yeah. to front the band now. Um they
3: they haven't heard what I've done to it yet, so I it's could be my uh, next yeah. episode I could be gone. But, <laughs> next
2: next yeah, next episode we'll be uh introducing yeah. somebody else. But yeah, <laughs> no, super stoked to have him because um uh Johnny, our original um vocalist, is is moving over to work on lead guitars with me because we were originally looking for a lead guitarist to join the group. He does it so well, we're like, let's move you in here and find another vocalist and it's funny because I was past asking all kinds of people um, in the music scene, like, hey, do you guys know anybody that would want to do this? And they're like, yeah, what kind of vocals do you want to hear? And I kept giving them uh, uh, Mountain Versus a Quake by High Desert Queen. I'm like, I need somebody that sounds like this. Like, this is really good. This is what I'm looking for. And finally, I was, why don't we just ask him? And I, I talked <laughs> to Ryan, slightly fuzzed about it, Ryan Foster. I said, hey, Ryan, can you put a word in his ear and see what he says? And here he is. So yeah, we got and Ryan. I,
3: and that was like the most flattering text I've I've ever gotten. I, I was, you, <laughs> you, 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 Ryan texted me and then put me in contact with you. And then you texted me that exact story. And I'm sitting, I was, I was at Heavy Psych Fest in Joshua mm-hmm. Tree. And I was, I like, I had to take a step back and like sit down and read that because that was super flattering. go, like, either this guy's got a really poor taste in music. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, this could is, this is be really cool. So flattered. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we just picked just up uh,
0: some, uh, some new artwork released, too, by, uh, what's his name, David Paul Seymour?
2: Yeah, David Paul Seymour just did the uh, artwork for the next single that Ryan will be singing on. Oh, awesome. Um, we're wrapping that up, right? well, sort of wrapping it up. We kind of took yes. it back to the drawing board, but um, yeah, we're going to have that hopefully done in the next, I don't know, maybe a month or two. Um, and then while Ryan and High Desert Queen are over in Europe, May and early June, uh the rest of us are digging in to uh write the whole EP that we're gonna have, hopefully, by summer. Um, but we're gonna dig in and just write the majority of that and then get Ryan's input when he gets back. And that's pretty much it. We're super stoked. We got a lot of good things coming in. We have a new bass player, um, Alex uh Flores, who just came in. He was in a huge band over in Vietnam for a while. Um, and just came back to the states, and we grabbed him. Um, and I've got another uh, side project, a th- uh, like a skate thrash project, um, going back to like that '90s skate punk kind of stuff. Um, and that's called Stalefish McTwist. So we're uh, working on that that's as well.
3: Yeah. yeah, it's cool name for sure.
0: Mm. Awesome,
5: cool, Pat. Uh, So there's always new content up at Monster Riff. Um, Just published the new interview for the podcast with Codsleep. There'll be an episode coming out soon with Scott and then uh, another one coming out right after that. Um, I do want to plug something from the past really quick. Um, I don't know when this one is planning to come out, but last week Monster Riff sponsored a a fundraiser for fostering music, which is a really great. Nonprofit that helps foster kids access instruments and music lessons. Um, so, anyway, our goal on that campaign was to raise $600 to help one kid individual uh, get a new bass guitar and an amplifier. And we raised $715 pretty quickly. Awesome. So, thanks to everyone listening or here who has donated. Um, I'm going to leave a link to that specific fundraiser in the Instagram bio for a little bit longer. Um, I don't know when she plans on taking that down, but if anyone listening wants to donate to Fostering Music directly, you can awesome. go to fosteringmusic.com and check them out. Cool.
3: Awesome. All right, and uh, Chris already alluded to some new stuff I'm doing we'll Stay Dead. Uh, but then Hydras Your Queen World, we released a single today called Black Moon yeah. uh, and a music video, which ironically, I mean, our first album is called Secrets of the Black Moon. We wrote this song, for that record all songs that are on this ep uh split with uh the very talented blue heron were written in, in the studio during the time of that recording so even though this song has a lyric that became the title of the record it didn't make the record but we it, it made the, the, EP, the split ep so we released that today uh and that was a lot of fun to shoot that music video and then we leave in i guess two weeks or so uh to hit First show in Desert Fest, London, and play about five and a half, six weeks over in Europe, and with the with the very talented Fatso Jetson, one of my all time favorite bands. I um, can't believe I'll be sharing a van with those guys for wow. for five weeks. There's gonna be a lot of cool stories. I'm gonna try to try to video and blog as much as I can because <laughs> if you know Sean Wheeler, by the way, who's gonna be on tour with us, he's a legend from Thrill Rag and Desert Legend. The guy's got stories for days, and so I'm going to try to record as much of that as I possibly can because it's going to be awesome.
2: Cool.
4: Very cool. Blake? Uh, let's see. When does this episode come out? <clears throat> uh, two weeks. Two weeks. Perfect. Uh, so as of a uh, couple weeks ago, uh, for those listening, uh, I it will be officially announced that uh, King Volume Records is releasing my next record. Yes. Congrats. Nice.
2: Awesome. Woo!
4: Killer. So that'll be coming out later this year. And as more info comes out about that, I will make sure to update everyone.
0: Killer. Very cool. Yeah, it, King Volume's great. Um, there's going to be a, a Reeler fuzzed with, with Todd from King Volume coming up as well. And uh, I'm sure everyone at this point knows that Fairy Ring put out a, a record. I saw a lot of, lot of people talking about that. So very cool to be on, on King Volume and shout out to Todd for that. Awesome. They're
1: having a hell of a year, by the way.
5: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really
0: he's are. He's had nothing but
5: just slam dunks all year.
0: Yeah. As. Yeah. Well, yeah, and not to mention the Sorcerers record that we already talked about on the Fuzz Club, you know, out through King Volume. So that's uh that's huge news. That's cool. Good job, like it's cool. Yeah. Right on, man. All right. Thanks for checking out the Fuzz Club. Everybody go check out um Greenleaf and we'll see you on the next one. Peace. Thanks you guys. Later. <laughs>